Thank you. And the scripture reading is found in James chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from the death and cover over a multitude of sins. God's word for God's people. Thank you. I'm so thankful to see all of you here today and what a joy it is to be in the Lord's house and uh, to be with you to worship. The title of today's sermon is How to Lead a Soul to Christ. Soul winning is the greatest work in the world. God has entrusted each of us with this. Every believer has this incredible responsibility. Can you take the Bible and point a sinner to the Savior? Well, today we're going to begin a new worship series how to lead a soul to Christ. And over the next few weeks, I'm going to teach you five simple steps that you will want to learn and use when talking to someone about becoming a Christian. So get out your sermon notes. They're in your bulletin. I want you to write this first point down. Show the need... For salvation. Write that down. Show the need. That's the first step. Show the need for salvation. A few years ago, pro boxer Hector Macho Camacho. Anybody remember him? Four-time, three-weight class heavy champion of the world. He was being interviewed on TV. And he was bragging about his prowess as being a father at the age of 15, all the drugs that he had taken, his party lifestyle. And the sportscaster asked him, don't you believe that a person like yourself, a sports hero, has an obligation to be a role model for the youth? And Camacho snapped back. He said, look, I did my dirt, but I'm no Hitler. Less than two years later, he died from injuries in a drive-by shooting in Puerto Rico. You see, Camacho's response is the typical human response. I've got my faults, but I'm not immoral. I make my mistakes, but I'm not wicked. I might not be a Christian, but don't label me a sinner. See, many people think this way. They do not see the need for salvation. That's kind of alarming when we say it out loud. But in the recesses of the mind, in the remote corners 
of the brain and the heart and the soul, there's that quiet deception that I'm really not so bad that I would forfeit my soul and that I need rescue and salvation. And so the first step into leading someone to Christ is to get them to see that need for salvation. Liz was a beautiful mother of three children, two boys and a girl. She and her husband had been happily married since college, and on Easter morning, they decided that their kids were old enough to go Easter egg hunting, and so they decided they would go down to the church. And as Liz sat there, she began to wonder if she needed to become a Christian. She began to think to herself, does church really work? Does does being a a member of a church, does, does becoming a Christian really bring joy and peace to a person's life? Does salvation matter? Was being a Christian all it was purported to be? And then she thought, what would I have to change to become a Christian? What would I need to do different in my life to be saved? Liz didn't listen much to the service that day. She didn't pay much attention to what the preacher had to say, but it was a good start. Her and her family began to go to church, and she began to think along the lines of, what do I need to do to become a Christian? From that time forward, Liz realized that no matter how good she was or or how much she served in community organizations or, or how much she gave to charity work, she could not keep the sins in her life and expect to be acceptable to God. You can convince someone they need to be saved. Leading a soul to Christ is the most rewarding thing you'll ever do in your spiritual life. And so when you're talking to someone about salvation, I want you to understand that most likely they won't come to Christ the very first time that you talk to them. And for some people that seems so frustrating. It's like, well, I tried and they said no. But the truth is, is we have to keep trying over and over again. In fact, our brain... Our subconscious mind puts everything that people say into safekeeping in our heart. And then the next time that you go and talk to them about the same thing, that brain recalls, that heart begins to resume the work that was started the last time. Plus, you have the Holy Spirit. You see, salvation originates from God. It's brought to us, it's it's made visible by the Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and through His resurrection. And then it's revealed and it's communicated to us through the work of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14 says, And you also were included in Christ. When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed... You were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance until the redemption of those 
who God's possession and the, to the praise of His glory. So in other words, the Holy Spirit comes into a person's life and makes this deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. So whenever we think about winning people to Christ, the Holy Spirit is at work in that person and it guarantees that person that they belong to God. You see, we can talk and talk and talk, but until that Holy Spirit is doing the work inside that person, reassuring them that God has promised to save them. You know, we talk to people all the time and sometimes we get people right to that edge and we say, would you like for me to pray with you? And they say, I don't feel it. But the Holy Spirit goes before us when we pray and ask God to lead us and to go before us and to work in that person's life. Then that Holy Spirit comes in and it makes that down payment. It's like a validating signature on a contract. That Holy Spirit is what leads that person to realize the blessed assurance. It's the Holy Spirit that allows that person to believe in their heart, I truly am forgiven of my sin. It's the Holy Spirit that helps that person realize, I am a child of God. So the power and the work of the Holy Spirit is what transforms fear into faith. It's what transforms doubt into belief. It's what takes defeat and makes it victory. It's what takes a lost sinner and turns them into a saved believer. So the most important thing that you can do is to pray for the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life. Pray, God, anoint me. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me a double portion of the Holy Spirit in my life. Let me understand the Holy Ghost and how it works in my heart. Let me receive that Holy Spirit. Pray into the Holy Spirit. Pray into God. Lord, give me more of your Holy Spirit. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8, it says, The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. Aren't you thankful for that? God is the one who goes ahead of us. He is the one that goes ahead of us in the storm and brings us victory in the battle. He's the one that goes ahead of us when we're trying to lead a loved one or a stranger or someone that we've just met to Christ. The Holy Spirit, God in His presence, goes before us to open up the way to lead that person to guide in the truth and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 1 verse 17, it says, And he shall go before him with the spirit of Elijah. Amen. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. And make ready. Did you get that? Make ready a people prepared for the Lord. See, that's the work of a messenger. That's the work that you and I have. We are God's messengers. We are the ones that God is going to use to proclaim the gospel. We're the one that's going to go out and say, you know, you need to repent of your sins. You need to accept Christ in your life. And you need to be baptized and become a Christian. This is the work that I do. It's the work you do. We are preparing the way for the lost sinner to come to salvation. And notice the phrase, he shall go before you in the power of Elijah. The Old Testament is full of stories of Elijah. Elijah, in the book of Kings, had just gone up against two of the most wicked people in the Bible, Ahab and Jezebel. 
And the Bible says that Ahab had prayed for it not to rain for three years and six months, and so it had stopped raining. And do you remember the story? You, you, you've heard the story of Elijah going up against the, the prophets of Baal. The, 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 the false god of Baal was who the people prayed to for rain. And so he, he was going up against this idol prophet, this idol god, Baal, and Elijah had prayed for it not to rain, and so he was putting their God to the test. And he said, let's make an altar. He said, let's, let's put your God to the test. Let, let's make an altar. Let's put a sacrifice on the altar, and the God that answers with fire will be the true God. And so the prophets of, God, of Baal, uh, they put a, a, a wood out and, and they put an, a sacrifice on the altar. And, and the Bible says they danced and, and they sung. And it even says they cut themselves to bleed, praying unto their God, Baal. And then it came Elijah's turn. And Elijah says, let's make it a little harder. Let's take 12 barrels of water. And pour on the wood of the altar. Did you ever stop to wonder where he got the water? <laughs> it was a drought. They hadn't had any rain in three and a half years. See, Elijah was taking their, he was, he was taking their reserve supply. <laughs> you know, he was, they thought, oh, we've got plenty of water. We've got it stored up. You know, we don't even need Elijah's God. Well, we've got enough water to do us for a long time. Elijah said, oh no, let's take those 12 barrels of stored water and let's pour it out on the wood and make it even harder for God to answer. Elijah knew what he was doing. He was actually leading them to depend more upon his God for rain. And so they poured the water on the altar and, and God answers with fire. The Bible says not only did God burn up the, the sacrifice that was on the wood, he, he burned up all the wood. It said He even scorched the ground. He, he consumed the soil that was under it. And Elijah had this great victory. Elijah had challenged the, the prophets of Baal. He had gone up against the most evil king and queen. And he had had one of the greatest victories in his life. You'd think, oh, now Elijah's living on top of the world. He's had a victory. You'd think he's full of life and energy. But I want you to hear what the Bible says. It says, now Ahab and Jezebel, and, he, and Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, may the God deal with me, be it ever so severely, that if by this time tomorrow I don't take your life, as one of them, and the Bible says Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life and he went to Beersheba and Judah and he left his servants there and he went another day's journey into the wilderness and there he found a broom brush and he sat down under this broom bush and, and he said unto God, he said, God, I've had enough. Whew. Did you hear that? You would have thought that after all of these miracles and this great victory, you would have thought Elijah had, would just be on top of the world. God had blessed him with so much. And, and Elijah says, Lord, I've had enough. Just take my life. Lord, I am so tired. I am so weary. Elijah hit rock bottom. And he lay down under a bush. And he fell asleep. Now, Elijah was fatigued. He was discouraged. He had had two great victories, and yet he was exhausted. Have you ever been in that situation? 
I mean, you, you have, you have had, you've seen God at work and, and you have been blessed with so much and, and, and you have gone through this struggle, but God has given you a, a victory. And then after the victory, you are just so tired. You have worked so hard. You become physically exhausted. You're emotionally exhausted. You're, you're just even spiritually exhausted. But God sent Elijah rest. And God sent Elijah some food. You see, when God comes into things, it begins to change. And so God sent an angel unto Elijah. He brought him some food and brought him some water. And when Elijah was sleeping, this angel brings him bread and water. And the Bible says the angel touched Elijah and he said unto him, Get up and eat, for there is a long journey ahead of you. I want you to just touch somebody right now and say, Get up and eat. <laughs> Go ahead, just get up and eat. Go ahead, touch somebody. Go ahead, say, get up and eat. Because there's a long journey ahead of you. Do you know what that long journey ahead of us is? To lead a soul to Christ. That's the journey that's ahead of each and every one of us. And I know some of you are tired. You've told me you're tired. Some of you have said you're exhausted. Some of you have said you're physically worn out. You're, you're weak and you're emotionally drained and, and you're spiritually exhausted. But I want you to know that when God comes into things, things begin to change in our life. And so the Lord spoken to Elijah and He told Elijah to go pray for rain. And Elijah prayed for it to rain. And Elijah sends his servant out to look for a cloud. And the Bible says his servant went over to the edge and he looked on the horizon and he saw no rain. And the Bible says Elijah told him to do that seven times. You know, I told you at the beginning of the sermon, when somebody doesn't come to Christ the first time, don't give up. Well, when you don't see rain in the drought, don't give up. It may take looking for it several times and in different places. And so Elijah's servant goes out and he looks on the seventh time and he said, You know, I see a sign. I see a cloud. It's rising across the sea. It's about the size of a person's fist. It's just a little tiny Cloud And Elijah said, go tell Ahab that he better leave and go home now because if he don't, his chariots won't be able to make it back to home. And so sure enough, the sky grew darker and the clouds came and this rainstorm came and, and Ahab had left to go back to the city of, of Jezreel. And in 1 Kings 19.46 it says, the Lord gave Elijah this special strength. I want you to think about those words, special strength, for a moment. And the Bible says Elijah tucked his cloak into his belt and he ran ahead of the chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. Now, now I don't know about you, but it's 17 miles from Mount Carmel to the city of Jezreel. And the Bible says Elijah outran the king's horses and chariots. You see, faith is something we have to have every day. Say, so, man, I can't run that fast. Let me tell you, if you're running on God's special strength, you could win the Kentucky Derby. Hello? <laughs> you see, God gave Elijah this special strength. And we have to believe. See, that's, that's the thing. We, we are taught faith. And it's easy for us to say we have faith until it comes right down to trying to outrun a chariot. Mm. How many times do we talk about faith? Oh yeah, I've got faith. I believe. The Bible says even the smallest of faith can move mountains. 
It's not enough just to pray about something. You've got to have faith that God is going to answer that prayer. God is going to give you that special strength to do the thing that you need to do. That's called faith. Having that, that, that confidence that when you pray, God is going to do something and make it possible for that to happen. And so this comes not what we can see on the outside. In fact, our faith very often is not right in front of us, but our faith is something that happens on the inside of us. It's in our heart. It's in our soul. And you can actually believe something on the inside and not see it on the outside. It takes faith to get us into heaven. And, and, and Christians, we have to have this faith as believers. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is not necessarily something we can see on the outside. It's something we have on the inside right now. I have faith. I know that there are a lot of things that are impossible for me to do, but with God's help, I have faith that it's going to be accomplished in me. If I will turn my life over to the Holy Spirit, I know that He's going to use me to do the work that He wants to get done. And The Bible says the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. The power of God, the strength of God, the means of God, the direction of God. It's God doing something that I can't do on my own. And so he puts his hand, and we call it his power, his strength, his means, his direction. But his Holy Spirit began to do this work in Elijah. And whenever we're working to lead somebody to Christ, the most important thing we can do is have faith that God is going to use us in that moment. Because by ourselves, we, we, we don't do a lot of things that are impossible. But with God's help and the Holy Spirit in us, we accomplish a lot of things that we never thought were going to happen. To lead a soul to Christ. How many of you are here were last week? Heard the sermon last week? Raise your hand. Several of you, most of you. Last week's sermon was ripe for the harvest. We talked about people are ready to be picked for the harvest. I guarantee you, people are more ready to receive Christ than you think. And we say, oh, there's so many churches in the community and... And everybody in my neighborhood goes to church. But the truth is, there are just as many people lost and unsaved right now as there ever have been. They are ripe for the picking. And many times we think, oh, they don't want to hear the gospel. But I guarantee you they're more open and receptive and willing than you ever think they are. And so we have to have faith and the Holy Spirit in us. And we need to be uplifting one another in prayer and, and praying for me as your pastor. Hello, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Let's, let's say, let me say that again. Praying for your pastor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And praying for one another and lifting one another up in church and, and always being positive and, and putting our time into energy and things that, that are really important and really, really matter. You know, there was a, a, a report by the Institute on Church Health that says it takes less than 5% of the average attendance complaining 
and being negative to cause harm to a church's reputation in the community. Whew. Hello? It just takes two or three of you is what I'm saying. You know, it just takes two or three people to be negative and complaining. The Bible says in Philippians 2.14, do all things without grumbling and disputing. Amen? Oh, oh, let's, let me tear that one out of the Bible. I didn't like it. You know, no, no, you see, see we, there are lots of things. Yeah, we can grumble and complain and, and we can always find something bad. But instead of looking at that bad, let's focus on the 95 good. Let's, let's look at that percentage that, that is good and focus on the positive. Let me tell you, if you ever have a problem with me, come to the office. My door's always open. Amen. Did you know that? Door's always open. And if you and I can't settle it, we've got all kinds of committees that I can ask for help. Amen? You know, we've got all kinds. And so just come on in. Talk to me. I'd love to hear. You know, I want to know what's going on in your heart and in your mind and, and the things that you're passionate about. I, I, I want to know what, you're, what you care about and, and the things that you want, to, want us to work on together. And so I, I want us to think about you can show someone the need for salvation. But that comes first when you have the genuine salvation in you. Hello? Mm. It comes first when you have that genuine salvation in your own life. I want you to think about the last time you did a, a good deed. You did something good. You did it in the church. You did it at your office. You, you did it out in the community. Think about the last time you gave food to the hungry. Think about the last time you gave a coat to someone who was cold. Think about the last time you gave a gift to someone who had very little and so they were very thankful. Now think about the last time you gave someone spiritual food. Oh man, yeah, I, I can go buy them a meal. Think about the last time you sat down and talked to them about a spiritual food. Yeah, I can give somebody a code, I can write a check. But what if their heart is cold? Can you sit down and talk to them about their cold heart? Or somebody's broke. Maybe they're broke spiritually. When's the last time you sat down and talked to someone who was broke spiritually? And you helped them hear the good news. You shared with them the gospel. You told them your story, how God had changed your life. Oh, what a difference He's made in me. And if God can take a person like me, He can take a person like you. Amen? That's what they need to hear. If God can take an old sinner like me who, who struggles with their faith and who has difficulty in their life, if God can take somebody like me, He can take somebody like you. He can make a difference in your life. If He can forgive me of my sins, He'll forgive you of your sins. The first step to leading a soul to Christ is to show them the need for salvation. I'm going to close this morning. I want to open up the altar and I want to invite you to come. And I'm going to use the prayer of invitation in our hymn book from 335. It's a prayer for the Holy Spirit. And I invite you this morning to pray that prayer with me in your heart and in your, in your life. It says, Oh God, Holy Spirit, come to us, among us, Come as the wind and cleanse us. Come as fire and burn. Come as dew 
and refresh. Convict, convert, and consecrate many hearts and lives to our great good and to your greater glory. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you come this morning to the altar? Maybe pray, Lord, let me lead that person that I play golf with or that person I play cards with or or that person I work with to Christ. Send your Holy Spirit to go before me in that pathway to cleanse my heart and my life as well, Lord, as make my story available in the gospel story. In Jesus' name, amen.